And that's the choice of Louise Crossley in East London asking for Lifehouse and You and Me. Talking of music... Sheila will be standing in for KG on the show at 10 o'clock this morning on Seasons. So listen up for that. She will be taking you through to 1 o'clock today. We're moving into the hour. And, of course, when we move into the half hour, apologies, not the hour, the half hour, we go into a man. He's got a plan, we hope, uh, for today. Nico Petrolhead. Nico. Where are you? Are you on the couch with a cup of coffee? All things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. <laughs> Nico. I'm here. I'm here. How are you doing? I, I'm doing fine. Where are you? No, I'm at home. I'm at home. I have a long weekend at home. My parents are coming to visit. So we'll all. You, we, I'm looking forward to a lovely, relaxing weekend at home. You're looking forward to Brian, I'm sure. Yes, Brian, but actually I'm looking forward to something I'm looking um, forward to more than anything else so far. One of the things that's excited me the, the most for this year is now finally happening. What's that? Oh, Formula One. You, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually we are going to have the first Grand Prix at Bahrain. Yeah. Well, I think it's pronounced Bahrain. Um, yeah, the quali- qualifying today, um, the, the teams have been practicing. Qualifying today will really show how fast the cars is. That's at 5 o'clock. Yeah. And the, ra- uh, um, and the race is tomorrow evening at 1,700 hours or 5 o'clock. So um, I think qualifying is the first start because then we can really see how fast the cars are. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. And then, of course, tomorrow it'll be very, very exciting. So if, you, if you're a Formula 1 fan, I think if you're not a Formula 1 fan, in, it bores people to death. <laughs> Cars going, and it, you know, sometimes it's so boring that even if you're watching this, you, you battle to concentrate. Um, so so it, it has happened before, but I think this year will be different. So, Nico, um, here's the thing. We we talked to someone earlier about about the F1 and, and you know, all bets are on, of course. And one of the things that she was saying was this concept of sandbagging. Had you heard of that? Yes. Um, so um, sandbagging, um, uh, it's, it's not new in motorsport, actually. Yeah. So sandbagging is, is simply not actually showing your rivals what your true potential in the car is. Yeah. So what you want to do is, um, in Formula One, uh, remember that the race is going to be run with a full tank of fuel, so they don't fill the cars anymore. So um, what, what sandbagging is, is saying, listen, let's hide the performance of the car. Um, for instance, we, we dial the motor to 8, not 10. So the, the, the engine doesn't rev as hard as it can. Was yeah. one, one way of doing it. Uh, one way of doing it as well is, is breaking up the track in different sectors. In other words, the track uh, normally has timing sectors. So when you're driving on the race car on the track, and let's say the track is basically three parts, and you can see the time in those three parts. So you can yeah. then drive and when you get to one of those spots, let's say the last part, then you lift off a little bit. Um, but that's, a, I mean, that's not necessarily what they're doing in Formula 1, but that's a way of sandbagging. So in the last se- se- sector, you lift off a little bit, but yeah. you, have, you know what the times are on the first two. Then later on, the, on another session when you drive again, you lift off on the second one um, so that you can, then you can stitch those sectors together because you lift it off on the one and then you lift it off on another one, and that gives you overall time. You can test the car at a, at a higher weight. In other words, they might be testing where everybody else's car is lighter, and then you have more fuel in the car. could be a simple example as well of sandbagging. So the car is a bit heavier than it should be. So you're not getting to the true qualifying performance. So 
definitely, I think the sand, as the teams are sandbagging, the sandbagging has been doing it almost every year. You know, while they're testing, they say, "Oh no, our cars are slow, and we don't know if we if we're going to be number one." And then when it comes to quality in the first Grand Prix, then they up there or they you know they just blow everybody away. So what is different is because the cars are completely different. That's the thing I think everybody's looking forward to. Eventually, became quite boring last year. Luckily, it was exciting, but. At one stage, Mercedes-Benz was running away and everybody else was just a second behind. So the cars have now changed. So there's a lot less wings and things. Because the yeah. problem was that the wings create downforce. So the wings basically push the car down on the road so you can go around the corner faster. But behind the car, it creates turbulent air. In other words, it's like a, um, the air isn't smooth. And when the air is turbulent, the car right behind you then can't get close to you yeah. because it relies on the wings pushing it down. But if the air isn't smooth, the wings don't work. So... That's changed where the car is effectively now sucked themselves to the road. So the air underneath goes faster, and the car basically, like a, almost like there's something sucking the car to the road. That's yep. not happening. Um, so the car designs are different. So nobody actually really knows. You might have an idea with testing, and the, the, practice, the third practice now is at 2 o'clock today. So you might have maybe a little bit of an idea, but you're really only going to see in qualifying how, how fast the cars are and which teams are on top. So... Really, really exciting stuff for the first Grand Prix. I'm looking forward to it. Have you got any ideas as to who you think is going to like make make the break t- this tomorrow? I think Red Bull um, seems very strong, and Ferrari seems very strong. Um, I'm not sure with Mercedes Benz. I think they might be up there. I think it will be those three teams: Ferrari. Yeah. Um, so watch, watch Ferrari. Um, but let's see what Red Bull as well. So so far, Red Bull actually in second practice was the quickest. Red Bull Ferrari. Let's see what Mercedes Benz does. Um, and I think those are the top three. Um, I, um, yeah, let's see. It's it's interesting to see, and I think when we get to qualifying, we'll definitely know. So, really, as I said, I'm quite excited, and I, I think everybody's hoping for closer racing. Racing is boring when one team wins or two teams win. You want all all teams almost to win, and you want to never know who's going to qualify first, and you want different teams and different drivers to win. I think then it makes it exciting. So, if you have the same two guys winning. Um, it's still a bit boring. So let's see what happens. I am really excited for this weekend. Okay, we hear it. Old Nico, <laughs> he's really excited. Really excited. Well, it sounds absolutely uh, really exciting, and I hope <laughs> it goes really well. We are talking to Nico, our petrol head. Don't forget if you've got any questions uh, around cars, if you've got any thoughts that you'd like to add to Nico and what he has to say about F1 tomorrow, you're welcome to send us a WhatsApp on 0614104107 or you can SMS us on 41391. So, Nico, it's very yes, funny. I, 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 yeah, yes. go for it. Now, I just wanted to say what is interesting is, is the series on Netflix called Drive to Survive. Um, which has helped Formula One a, a huge amount. So I, I know quite a few people. I have some friends that actually went really into Formula One and they watched Drive to Survive. And, and that sort of um, really got people excited, especially the first season um, of Drive to Survive was really good. You're speaking to the teams and the drivers and you actually see what's happening behind the scenes. And not just the cars going around the track and the rivalry between teams and between drivers and the things they battle with. Um, but just one thing, you must be, when you're watching Drive to Survive, um, it's a little bit of entertainment, so they they, they tend to um, uh, hype things up a little bit that aren't always necessarily there. Some of the drivers even have complained and said, listen, Drive to Survive is great, um, but they're not. it's not always exactly um, what Formula One is. So watch Drive to Survive because it might get you excited, but 
Um, when you watch the season, you'll see it's not exactly there. So be careful. You won't be a, a Formula One expert after draft as well, but you have a nice feeling. Um, but as I said, it's a bit of entertainment, so there is a slight pinch of salt that you've got to take it with. But definitely, is interesting to see what happens behind the scenes. Why is it called um, Drive to Survive? I don't know. I guess um, um, it's about survival in Formula One and the team surviving, and uh, so it's not necessarily about surviving to surviving to stay alive. I guess it's uh, try, trying to survive in the cutthroat business of Formula One. Um, I guess that's the title. Okay. That's the reason. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we we've had um, someone. The Hussein family are driving to Durban, and they sent us this actually really bad dad joke. I mean, it seems to me that people just love to send us bad dad jokes, like really bad. They just get yes. worse and worse. So we said, well, send it to us as a voice note because obviously we'd like to hear it as well. And then they sent us a message back to say, okay, we'll do it soon, but we just want to hear Nico the petrol head. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we will like, yeah, we will just make sure that we get the bad dad joke afterwards. Nico, what else is going on in the world of cars for us? Well, actually, um, I was talking to Ndosh now, um, our producer, and she. Um, I was just talking about, she, you know, the fuel price has gone up um, and, and yeah. really quite significantly, and, and it affects all of us. It's, unfortunately, it's going to affect a lot of um, uh, um, uh, other things as well when, when the fuel price goes up, but... One of the things to do to save fuel, because I think that's one of the things um, that a lot of us would want to have. So, okay, how can I save some fuel? Because it's really quite expensive. The bad news, unfortunately, as a start is um, with whatever car you have, you're not going to make huge gains. You're not going to go from 10 liters per 100 kilometers to 6 liters per 100 kilometers. But you can actually make quite a bit of difference if you just change the way you drive. Um, yeah. So the, the, the fuel consumption is, of course, determined by the size of the engine. Yeah. If it's a, a, a modern car, a small turbo engine car, so like one liters or, or 1.3s or 1.5s or two liter turbos, which really gives the performance of bigger cars. But luckily, they, if you drive them in, in a relaxed manner, they, they will give you, you know, good fuel consumption. So engine size is one of the determining factors. Um, the, the weight of the that, that engine has to pull is a, a different as well. So if you have a pretty big, heavy car, you can imagine the engine has to work harder to pull that weight, so you tend to have bigger engines on bigger cars, which means effectively more cylinders, um, is more fuel. Um, and then also the drag coefficient, how slippery is the body of that car? So if you take an example of a sedan, any car with a boot um, or a trunk, as they say in Europe, um, those tend to have a, a fairly good drag coefficient. So the air flows around the car quite nicely. If you look at a hatchback, um, there's again a little bit of turbulent air at the back, so it is not as good as a sedan. Um, and then if you look at an SUV, those big 4 by 4s they have a bigger frontal area. The frontal area also has a big effect on the fuel consumption. And then things like buckies are really quite bad, especially just a bucky with an open back. So if you put a canopy on a bucky, it might make a difference in the fuel consumption. If you have the load area open, then it's actually where you, um, with, you know, with a back door that closes in the load area, that also creates quite a bit of drag. So those are already factors that influence how good your fuel consumption is. So what can you do? Well, um, don't rev the engine as much. So that sounds um, ridiculous or it sounds basic, but it does make a difference in how high the revs of the engine are. Because yeah. the higher the revs of the engine, the more fuel. Because the engine works with fuel and air, and you mix those together in a ratio of 14.7 parts air and one part fuel. 
And so those get mixed together. And the higher the revs, the more you're burning fuel and air. So we've got lower revs. And try and, so like my car is a 1.8 turbo. Um, but what happens is when I drive it, I can actually change gears. It's a manual at 2,000 RPM. Um, and I, I don't have to try and accelerate fast. At 2,000 RPM, the engine has enough torque to, to change the gear. So start changing the gears at lower RPM, not a 1,000, because that's probably too low, but depending on the car. Especially if you have a turbo car, you can probably get away with 2,500 RPM when you're changing gears. So that's one thing that will help you. Change your gears um, at lower RPM. Uh, also, uh, stopping and going and stopping and going is also um, going to use a lot more fuel. So if you're pulling away you're using a lot of energy to get the car going. Once it's going to maintain the speed is easy. So look ahead and plan a little bit more ahead. Don't drive through stops of traffic light and stop. Wait till it turns green and race to the next one and stop. And look ahead yeah. and plan and say, okay, this one's red, so let me slow down a little bit so I can catch it green again. So if you're moving all the time, that's going to help with fuel consumption. Yeah. And of course, your speed has an effect. So how fast you're driving. If you go um, much faster, if you're going at 120, or 140 versus 100, that has an effect. Now, I'm not saying please don't drive 100 on the fast lane um, because the, I would say the minimum speed, if it's 120, is 120. If you want to drive 100, please go to the slower lane, but don't do 80 again. Yeah. But the speed that you drive between, let's say, 120 and even 130 has an effect on the fuel consumption. So if you drive at slower speeds, that makes a difference. And then limit the plan a little bit ahead. Some basics is... Don't drive to the shop, get some milk tomorrow, go to the shop, buy bread tomorrow, the day after, go buy bread or milk again. So plan a little bit so your driving becomes a less. And yeah. carpool. Carpool is, is also a, so, a ridiculously simple thing where you and a friend that live close together, I drive one week, you drive one week. That already makes a difference because you're driving a week less. So those are basic things, but that would make a difference in, in yeah, it will definitely make a difference in the fuel consumption of your car. Nico, I, I, I read something where someone was saying that the, the terrible thing about the petrol hike is that what it's actually done is this crazy, people are, uh, what do you call it when you switch your engine off and you, um, you just... Oh. You we, 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 people are coasting. Yeah, that, they, that they're starting to, to try and save petrol by coasting. What's your take on all of that? I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of that at all. So if you look at a modern engine, actually modern cars, um, uh, they, um, a lot of cars, almost most cars, and I'll give you uh, a few consumptions. So if you look um, at the use pedometer, there's a little um, indicator of the fuel, a little computer, a little trip computer. And that gives you an indication of, of, of fuel consumption. As you're driving, it'll say, okay, you're using six liters per kilometers or eight liters per kilometers. A lot of cars also have instantaneous fuel consumption. So at that second, how much fuel are you using? Now, with modern engines, <clears throat> excuse me, the manufacturers have done a lot to, to, to make the engines more efficient and save more fuel. And one of the ways is by actually cutting off fuel as soon as you coast. So if you look at your car and you look at that instantaneous fuel consumption, if you're driving at the highway at 120, yeah. As soon as you lift off the accelerator, you'll see it goes to 0.0. My car does that. So that yeah. means in that second, the car actually isn't using any fuel. Um, yeah. So you don't actually buy by. If, you, if, you ta- if I take my same car and I put it in neutral while I'm, let's say I'm doing 120 and I put the car in neutral or clutch in, I'm actually using fuel because when the engine is idling, it's not actually cut off the fuel. So that actually doesn't help. And there's a danger to. Okay, guys, we um, having a pro- Nico. You just disappeared there for a moment. Sorry. And no worries, am I back again? Yeah, you're back. 
Cool. So when you're driving, it's also a dangerous part in that. So next you're driving on the highway at 120, and every time you get a gap, you put the car in neutral, um, yeah. and then you coast a little bit. If you suddenly have to react, um, it's dangerous because you have no power. So if you have to swerve and accelerate, you can't accelerate because the car is in gear. Yeah. It can also be that you select the wrong gear. Um, especially in a rear off car, it can be dangerous. So I'm driving at 120, and suddenly I want to uh, find, um, let's say, fourth gear, but I find second gear. The wheel speed and the engine speed aren't the same, so it will then lock up the back wheels, which will actually then make your rear, let's say, imagine it's a bucky. It might, make, it might actually then lock the back wheels. As soon as that happens, that vehicle can oversteer quite aggressively. So you're not in control when the car isn't in gear, and I'm really not a fan of that technique. So I personally think it's dangerous, and I think the things we said before will make a bigger difference than trying to just have the car idling. It's not going to make a difference. Yeah. Just drive slower. Yeah. So that's... Some modern engines actually, um, it's interesting, some automatic cars would actually open the clutch. So if you have an, let's say you have a, a, a dual clutch car, as you're driving at 120, it actually opens up the clutch so the car is coasting. But because the electronics are so quick, the car will never be in the wrong gear. And as soon as you touch it, it the car is in gear again. So that happens instantaneously. There's no chance of getting the wrong gear or messing it up. Um, and in that case, the car actually will coast. So yeah. but especially modern cars, and, and that even goes back seven, eight years ago, are pretty good with that. Bucky's a little bit less so, but it's a really bad habit coasting with a neutral or just clutching in on every downhill. Okay. Nico, Stephen wants to know, um, should he buy a Suzuki Vitara Brezza or the Toyota branded version, the Urban Cruise, Cruiser? Or should I just yeah. wait? Or should he wait Sorry. the six wait for the six speed automatic to be released? I don't I, I don't know. I, I think potato potato, I mean those cars are effectively um, the same thing, if you, um, I'll go drive the car, they're both good options, and what brand do you like? Do you like Suzuki as a brand, or do you like Toyota as a brand? It, what, which one has support? Where you live, are you living in the city, so Toyota's there, uh, or Suzuki's there, if you're living in a smaller town, you only have Toyota probably there, so I think both those cars are good. Um, if, you're never, if you're not sure, go test drive the cars, and then test, test, you know, look at also the pricing they're going to give you for your car, um, the second-hand market now is extremely strong. Um, because of <clears throat> semiconductors, the fact that um, production of all cars have slowed down, yeah. the second-hand market is very strong. So um, that also, to me, makes a difference. Is what are they? What what will I pay? Let's say the the, the cars in, in, in the prices are the same. Maybe one gives me a bit, a bit of a better price or a bit of discount, or one gives me a bit of trading. That also affects how your your deal works. Also, even the financing. Maybe you get with the one, you get a better interest rate. The interest rate makes a huge difference in your monthly payment. So those are all factors that you could also consider in this case with these calls. Okay, we've got a voice note question for you. I'm going to crack it in for you. Hey, miss. Good morning. What's popping? What's popping? What's popping, Michelle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's me, Tranky. They call me Tranky Vernum. You know, my question is, uh, my question is uh, car related today. I just want to know something. I don't even have a car. I've lost all of them. Um, a lot of people uh, pull their handbrakes every time they stop, you know, especially on a, on a steep hill, you know. What effect does that have on, on, a, on the actual vehicle, uh, even on, a, on, a, on the cable itself? Just, you know. So, I mean, that's an interesting one because so many people just sit on the, um, sit on the clutch, drive the clutch. Um, and so I suppose... <laughs> That's does one pull that handbrake? Like what's popping, yeah. Nico? What is popping? <laughs> so 
So first of all, bad, let's talk about, since today we're talking about bad driving habits, riding the clutch is, is a bad one, which will be a costly one to you later. As you're slipping the clutch, eventually you, you, the, the, your clutch will need to be replaced earlier than it should have been. So what does it mean effectively? If you're stopping in a traffic light and you have a manual car and you've got a bit of gas and the clutch is sort of, you put the clutch out halfway. So you're basically balancing the car on the throttle and the clutch is a really, really bad driving technique because you're slowly destroying your clutch. Sometimes quite quickly, if you, if you, and some cars, it happens much quicker, you can actually smell the clutch. Um, so that number one is a bad driving technique. Now, a lot of the time on a hill, people do that as well, especially on a hill, um, you've got all the weight going, gravity is not putting you backwards, and you now have to give a bit more gas to slip that clutch. So um, that's actually quite not great for the, for, the, for the clutch of the vehicle. So the ideal, if you, when we all get our driver's licenses, um, they taught you how to pull up the handbrake. <coughs> Excuse me, Michelle, I seem to have a frog in my focus morning. Let's get a bit of water. <laughs> Why don't we go to, we'll go to, look, I'll tell you what, hold that thought, we'll go to a break, and when we come back oh, from the break, we, you can uh, have a glug of water. All Things Automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. Okay, so Nico, you were talking about uh, that... Handbrake. Handbrake, and then I've got a couple of questions for you from our listeners as well. Okay, so... so um, wait, 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 you're sounding terrible. Are you moving around your house or something? No, I'm actually sitting back. No, it's sounding quite bad, actually. Okay. Um, it's that frog in your throat now? has gone into the phone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's that's... It's the phone. Yeah, that's, that's... better now. Yeah, that's better, yeah. Okay, so on a hill, um, you pull up the handbrake, um, and then as you start moving, if you can feel like you're releasing the clutch, you can feel the clutch biting, you can push in the button and, put, um, and release the, the handbrake. But that's no effect on the handbrake, I think. That's what the handbrake is for, one of the things what it's for. So that's actually okay. And modern handbrakes really are a fantastic things. So um, a lot of new cars have a little P button, and your car has one, Michelle. So that's mm. a little P you pull up, and that's the handbrake. Yeah. And if you, if you drive off, if your belt is on a lot of cars, or as you drive off, it'll release automatically. So on a hill, now what happens, as you uh, drive on the hill and you stop there, just pull up the little button with a P, and then pull away, and it'll release automatically. So it's even easier. You don't have to balance that. Um, handbrake, um, you can simply drive away and as there's enough um, torque on the little motor, it'll actually release the handbrake. So wow. the new handbrakes are, are really quite easy. Pull up the button on the hill, push it down and drive I away. Even, <laughs> I didn't even you know didn't even I had one. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm here, Michelle. That's why I'm here. <laughs> exactly. couple of questions for you. Let's go to them. Hi, Michelle. Uh, it's Velisane from Umtata. Um, on the issue of, of, of coasting, some people call, call it freewheeling coasting. It's actually very dangerous because um, with the older model vehicles, when you are um, when you are coasting, you find, especially if the engine is off, then the, the, the brakes actually fill up with, they become very hard, but they don't hold quite nicely. Uh, and then the steering, normally the power steering pump is um, it is off, so the, the, the steering can also get hard. And even if the car is running, the, the, the brakes become a bit um, a bit stiff when you're coasting. Yeah, so it's quite dangerous. I think one of the best ways to save fuel, because my, 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 um, my thinking, I think, I don't know whether it's true or not, um, 
the guy they can 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 correct me from wrong. When when the revs on an engine are quite low, you're using less fuel. So I think the best way to save fuel is always to try to keep your revs as low as possible, which means you must try and drive on the highest gear that you can. Good morning, SAFM, and to the listeners and Nico it's Selvan Gamda from uh, Durban. Uh, with regard to a fuel efficient vehicle. I'm not marketing. I drive a Nissan NP200 1.5 TDCI. Wow, what a beautiful vehicle. I drive with the aircon 24-7 and I'm getting 850 k's to a tank averaging 120 maximum speed. Beautiful fuel consumption on a Nissan NP200 1.5 TDCI. And no way I'm affiliated with Nissan. I'm a technician by trade and I drive that vehicle and it's a wonderful fuel efficient diesel vehicle. Thank you. So, okay, Nico. So the first one, uh, the coasting and the freewheeling, much aligned with what you were saying about keeping the revs low. Mm. Um, But also that thing of like the brakes just going all hard. What does he mean by the brakes going hard? Well, it's it's even worse. It's like if you really want to coast and then do it foolishly, you switch off the engine. So now what happens... So sometimes coasting is just putting the car in neutral. Um, yeah. Some people think it would be better to switch off the engine. So then, I hope that doesn't happen often. <laughs> but <laughs> that means you're driving at 120 and you switch off the engine. Now, when the engine's running, you have um, a power steering pump normally that assists steering. So that helps with um, making the steering lighter. So that power steering pump isn't working. And you, you also have assistance on the brakes. So if you then have to start the engine again, it, it means if the engine isn't running and you hit the brakes, you're going to find that you're going to have to put a lot more effort into the brake pedal to slow the car down because the car isn't assisting you on the brake. Yeah. So that's one of the problems. And then, of course, the second one is the, 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 the fact that it depends on the speed because actually at certain speeds, the power steering isn't really making a difference anymore. Um, it actually in, more and more takes it, its help away. But what you don't have is assistance on the brakes. And if you're now in an emergency, trying to quickly start the engine um, is an issue. So uh, coasting effectively with the engine off is yeah, even worse. Yeah. Big no-no in my book. Um, talking about that, yes, I would agree that 1.5 diesel uh, MP200 is lovely, lovely. Those little small, if you really want to say fuel, get yourself a small little diesel or a small little turbo diesel. Those things are very, very light on diesel. So that's definitely a benefit now that people with diesel cars are going to have is they tend to be light on fuel. Um but of course, you've got to balance it out. If you're buying a new car and the, the diesel version of the exactly, let's say both are two liters, but the diesel version is 30,000 and more, you've got to drive a lot to get to that 30,000 to save the diesel. Yeah. But diesel cars generally, um, they tend to use a lot less diesel as opposed to petrol cars using petrol. So small, if you want something efficient, small engines, like one liter, the 1.5s, the 1.2s, or 1.4s. And even better, small diesel, small turbo diesel. They're really, really light. So you're suggesting that given the petrol crisis at the moment, actually to start looking at diesel cars? I don't know. No, the thing is, I'm not saying that the problem is if you sell your car and you buy a new car, you know, now suddenly you have a bigger installment. I'm not sure that fixes the problem. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so the fact is, um, the solution isn't spending more money on a new car that's light on fuel because how much extra are you spending? The, the, the solution I the first one is just simply adjusting the way that you drive. But if yeah. you are in the market for a car and you're looking for a car, I, I know that generally diesels have a bad name. Um, um, but in South Africa, a lot of people like them. I'm still a big fan and I still would drive a diesel there. Because if you're looking at two cars to buy now 
Um, and let's, again, this is a two-liter example. One's a two-liter petrol, one's a two-liter diesel. I'd go for that diesel every time um, because yeah. I like the way, that they, the way they drive and feel, and they really are light on diesel. Um, yeah. But there's nothing wrong with the petrol. We like the way, some people don't like diesels. We like the way the petrol sounds. And modern petrols are quite, also quite fuel efficient. So yeah. I guess it, it depends on what your taste is. But if you, fuel consumption is a big issue or a big factor or you drive a lot, then that's something to consider. Okay, let's go to another quick question for you right here. Please tell me about the turbo, the turbo charge. Is it good or is it wise or is it advisable uh, to clean using these detention uh, chemicals to clean the turbo charge? Okay. Is it uh, wise no, 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 to no, no, use no, no. a detergent? No, don't, don't clean. No, D- don't. Definitely not. You should um, not be cleaning anything under that bonnet. Um, Leave the car to do the job. If you service the car all the time, that's fine. Um, because effectively, all that's always going through a turbo on the outside or on the inside is air. On the one side, an exhaust gas is on the other side. But they can last really a long time. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan person of any additives in engines. Yeah. Um, and, um, so I'm not sure if you mean cleaning um, in that way. But yeah, don't try and clean the turbo on the inside. Even on the outside, you must be careful when you try and wash a car's engine. Um, if you wash it, um, and you're using a high-pressure hose, uh, high-pressure cleaner, you can actually damage certain parts of the engine. So um, if you do then wash it, keep that thing further away. Yeah. But, you know, ideally, a high-pressure hose in the engine bay is also uh, can be a recipe for disaster. Sometimes fuse boxes sit in that engine department or in the engine bay, and the pressure is quite high in those things, so that you can actually damage parts of the engine. So leave the turbo and don't clean it, and um, be careful if you want to clean your engine compartment. It's nice when it's clean, but be careful on how you do it. You can also yeah, do it the wrong way and do yeah. damage to your car. Rather just take it to the garage and do it like that. Yeah, but even there, if you go to a car wash, sometimes they stick those things into the engine. The you know, If you say clean the engine, they also stick the high-pressure hose in there and can do damage. So just be careful how that's done. Well, there you go, hey? Okay. Uh, whew. All right, that's it for today. <laughs> Hope uh, you, you've got rid of that frog. <laughs> I, I, th- I think it's okay. Um, so, Michelle, are you going to watch the Formula One qualifying and Grand Prix tomorrow, or is it you still not really convinced? Well, no. Listen, I'm 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 all for it. I think it sounds absolutely fabulous. Oh, there is a question though from someone. Quickly, mm-hmm. quickly, what is the, and this is from Ian in Durban saying, what is the biggest difference between the faster F1 cars and the slower ones? Is it in design? It is the engine power, the power up to the engine. It was also about aerodynamics and how the car can harness the aerodynamics. So engine power is definitely one, yeah. mechanical grip, um, and then aerodynamics. Fantastic. Thanks, Nico. It's 9 o'clock. It's time for the news. Good morning.